is to not eat them. Apparently, it's harder to deter gents. Uh, you, you get that? Yeah. <laughs> Detergents. <laughs> anyway, I heard that this week, and I, I did this. I just lowered my head and shook my head. Mm-hmm. Detergents. I've been laughing about that all day. <laughs> all right. Well, good morning and welcome. Thanks for uh, sticking around. Good morning. Good morning, Daniel. He's awake now. <laughs> yeah, you woke up for the treat. Speaking of treats, we got plenty of uh, biscuits back there, so help yourselves. So, <clears throat> in life, there are those moments that occur, and nothing is the same ever again. Those moments where you just... Um, uh, passing by and, and uh, things are uh, just changed forever, right? When our, when our children were infants and toddlers, I personally saw one of those times when their lives shifted ever into the future when they were able to drink from a sippy cup. For, for me, that, that was it. They were independent <laughs> from that point on. Uh, masters of their destiny. Um, they're now mobile, able to choose on their own when and how much they would drink. That first step of independence was the beginning of the end in my eyes. They're no longer babies. They're now adults. <laughs> or people, I don't know. Uh, so that symbol of transition from in infancy to making their own way in the world, the sippy cup. So today in our study through the Gospel of John, we're going to see one of those moments where something specific occurs, and from that point on, what is going on in the background of Jesus' ministry is always the same. It's this growing hostility from the Jewish religious leaders. What we're going to look at today is a conversation that Jesus has and similar to the others that we've looked at, Jesus is pointing the way to salvation. And the interaction that starts it all is in John chapter 5. Let's pray real quick and then we'll, we'll get into the scripture. Lord, we thank you for your word. And God, we ask you to make it alive today. That it would speak to us, that we would... Um, be transported, that we would um, have a personal encounter with your words today. Amen. Okay, so uh, today we'll be in chap John chapter 5. Since looking at John chapter 4 last week, <clears throat> Jesus has returned to the city of Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And in the beginning of chapter 5, Jesus comes into the city through one of the city gates, and inside of the gate is a pool. And there's a belief that when the water in the pool bubbles up, uh, it's an angel stirring the water. And the belief is the first person that gets into that water when it's being bubbled up is healed. 
So John chapter 5 verse 3 says that crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, are laying around the pool. So Jesus and his entourage come in through that gate. They go back by the pool. And Jesus sees a man and he knows that this man has been sick for 38 years. And so he goes up to the man and he asks him, would you like to be well? And the man answers that he cannot because he has no one to put him into the pool. And so someone else gets, always gets there ahead of him. So Jesus tells him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the man is instantly healed. So he does what Jesus told him to do. He rolls up his sleeping mat and began to walk. Yeah, there's a problem with that. Everybody check your calendars. What day is it? Uh-oh. The Jewish leaders see this man healed from 38 years of being sick and lame, but he's walking and carrying his sleeping mat, and they tell him, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. The man tells them that the person who healed him told him to carry it. And the Jewish leaders demand to know, who, who told you that? Uh, well, this man doesn't know because Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But later that day, Jesus finds the healed man in the temple and tells him, you are now well. No, now you are well. So stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. It seems like a strange thing to say. but The man immediately finds the Jewish leaders and reports to them, that it was Jesus who healed him on the Sabbath. And it was Jesus who told him to carry his mat on the Sabbath. So here is where we come to that moment in the Gospel of John, where from this point on, Jesus is harassed and persecuted by the Jewish religious leaders. So here's where we're going to start in John chapter 5, uh, verse 16. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. So the Jew Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal to God. So John chapter 5 starts out with this story of a lame man completely healed by Jesus. The Jewish leaders are upset because, number one, Jesus worked by healing a man on the Sabbath. And number two, he instructed the healed man to work by carrying his sleeping mat. So they bring this up to him, and Jesus does this really irritating thing by telling them, oh, it's okay. My father, God's always at work, so I'm just doing what he's doing. It's okay. Isn't that the most annoying thing? When, when you catch someone breaking the rules, and they're like, oh, it's okay, I'm not breaking the rules. It's not breaking the rules when I do it. <laughs> well, that just chaps their hide so much that the Jewish leaders try all the harder to find a way to kill him. That escalated fast. 
So the rest of John chapter 5 from verses 19 to 47, Jesus explains to them the authority that he has as the Son of God. And I was thinking about how in the uh, other conversations that he's had, these people are looking for something, right? Nicodemus, he's curious about, he, he wants to know how this man can do these amazing things. And the, the Samaritans are looking for the Messiah. And the disciples that he calls are looking for the one that the scriptures talk about. These Jewish leaders, they already got it figured out. They got the law, they practice that, they hold other people to it. They're good. They're not looking for anything. And so he really rocks their boat. All right, we'll uh, move on in uh, verse 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man, and then you will truly be astonished. So Jesus starts off by saying that he is in complete obedience to God the Father. And one of my study resources says, he is perfectly in sync with his Father. He's not a second God come to steal worship and adoration that belongs only to the true God. He is the true God. He and the Father are one. And remember his uh, defense for working on the Sabbath is, if the Father has authority to work on the Sabbath, then I do as well. That's a paraphrase. All right, let's keep going on. Verse 21. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. Yeah. He's getting real with these guys. We'll keep going on. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. That's all. That's all we got to do. <laughs> eternal life is just in believing in him. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. And he's given authority to judge everyone because he is the son of man. Don't be surprised. 
Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. That's a big, that's a big statement. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Should I read it as it's written there? Therefore, moo judgment. Sorry, typo there. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. So in these statements, we see that Jesus' authority to operate the way that he does comes from who he is and who sent him. Jesus states very clearly that he does not, that he does what only God can do. He receives honor that only God deserves. And he has power that only God can claim. In verses 21 and 22, Jesus states that he has authority to give life to a person. And he has the authority to judge. And then in verse 23, Jesus states that the purpose for this authority being given to him is so that the Son will be honored just as the Father is honored. This honor is not given to anyone. Uh, in Isaiah 48.11, the Lord is speaking. He says, for my own sake, for my own sake, I will act. For how can my name be profaned? In my glory, I will not give to another. And then for the icing on the cake, Jesus tells the Jewish religious leaders, anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. Jesus is warning these Jews and pointing them to the truth, pointing them to salvation. One of my study guides says this, Jesus has authority over all humankind, and their eternal destiny. He's the giver of salvation, and his salvation has two perspectives. In verse 25, it's a current perspective. That's where he says, I should have written this down. The dead will hear my voice, and those who listen will live. That's right now. That's spiritual life. Being, going from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Right now, Jesus is giving life to those who are spiritually dead. And then verses 28 and 29 have a future perspective. Jesus will raise the dead to eternal life. Jesus has the prerogative to give life because he has life in himself. And as Jesus continues, he speaks to the Jewish leaders of the people and things that testify to the truth of who he is, that he is the Son of God. And I've always found it easy to assume that whenever Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of the time, that he's just chewing them out. 
but I've come to think that the truth is he's pleading with them so that they might be saved. So uh, chapter 5, verse uh, 31 through 36. If I were to testify on my behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me, and I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist, and his testimony about me was true. Of course, I have no need of human witnesses, but I say these things so you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp, and you were excited for a while about his message. But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that he sent me. Remember how Nicodemus had approached Jesus? Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs or evidence that God is with you. Well, we'll keep going in uh, verse 37 through 40. And the Father who has sent me has testified about me. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face, and you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. It really is interesting, isn't it, that these experts in the law aren't searching for him. But these disciples of John the Baptist are searching for him, and the Samaritans are searching for him. So Jesus outlines all of the witnesses that they have to tell them the truth about his authority. John the Baptist's testimony, his own teaching and miracles. The words of Scripture point to Jesus. And behind all of this, God the Father, the one who sent him, testified about Jesus. But in spite of all of this evidence, in spite of the testimony of these witnesses, the Jewish leaders are trying all the harder to kill him. And the rest of John chapter 5 is Jesus speaking to the Jewish leaders about the consequences of their denial to believe in him as the Son of God. One of those is that they can't properly interpret Scripture. Verses 39 and 40. You search the Scriptures because... You think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive life. For years, our um, primary 
Vineyard Kids curriculum was the Jesus Storybook Bible, where every story whispers his name. And it'll go through, you know, from Genesis through Revelation. And, it, and it's always, look, you know, the, the Old Testament is looking forward to Jesus. And then um, the Eden Project, a short story, the Kingdom Theology book that we looked at together last year, points out the promise of the Good Shepherd, the obedient Israelite, the Son of Man, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This promise that occurs throughout Scripture. With their focus on the law, they miss out on the Father's message. And they do not have his message in their hearts because they do not believe in the one that he sent to them. And this leads to an inability to love God. Verses 41 through 43. Your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. For I have come to you in my Father's name, and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. God the Father desires to have a reciprocal love relationship with us, where we receive his love, and we love him in return. If we reject Jesus, who the Father has sent to us, we reject the Father as well. Verse 44. No wonder you can't believe. For you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who, is, who alone is God. these men were more concerned about how they would appear to others than they were about the glory of God. Giving glory to God in all things honors God. And this brings up some scriptures that we've been drawn to during our Friday night prayer meetings. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So how does one operate in thankfulness in all circumstances? By trusting God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And finally, Jesus tells it plainly that by rejecting him as the one who is sent by God, the Jewish leaders cannot avoid judgment. Verses uh, 45 through 47. 
Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. And I, I almost see like him reacting, like the Jewish leaders hear that, and they're like, and then he says, yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believe Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? This, this conversation is John 1, verses 10 and 11 in the flesh, where John says, He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. So when we read this conversation, how do you hear Jesus talking with the Jewish leaders? It reminds me of um, some of my conversations with my adult children. Because they're adults, I can't just bark at them and tell them what to do and expect them to do it. But because they're my children and I love them, I really want to get through to them and convince them and get them to accept my knowledge and my years of experience to avoid the pain of doing things in a way that is reckless and poorly thought out. There are some scenarios that I know the truth about. And I can testify to what lies down this road you're headed down. But I have to respect your right to choose as an adult. But I am going to do, I'm going to use whatever persuasion I can think of to guide you to a better, brighter, less painful future. And that's how I see Jesus trying to address these guys. He's pleading with them. You guys are experts in the law. Let's lay out a, a defense, right? Let's lay out testimony. Let's lay out witnesses. The Jewish leaders have misplaced their hope. They're trusting in their commitment to read and obey the scriptures as their righteousness. In their eyes, they are the ones to judge. Their obedience to the law is their authority to call out a man for working and telling him that the law doesn't allow you to carry your sleeping mat to walk home on your own power that you haven't had for 38 years. 
Power and authority are very tempting things to attain and very scary things to lose. And the, the Jewish leaders at the time, authority over the scriptures or like religious authority was like the only authority that they had because Israel at the time was under Roman rule. So they weren't really leaders in a true nation sense. And so they're just doing whatever they can to maintain as much dignity as they can through force. I, I remember um, years ago I worked for uh, Wonder Bread and Hostess Cakes and would put those delicious cakes in convenience stores and gas stations. And there was this one gas station off of 108th Street. And man, the manager was mean. She was mean and she would just yell at everybody that was in there, every vendor. Never make it pleasant for everybody. And I had the, somebody with me that I was training and we were talking about what, why? Why is she that way? And we came up with this, with this thought that this may be the only area in her life where she feels like she has any power. So I went to her head and she said, putting people under her thumb, keeping her there. And when the Jewish leaders confront Jesus, he takes the time to talk to them in lots of detail about the truth and how far off they are from it. He has full authority as God's son. He has authority to give life and he has authority to judge. But he patiently and honestly and plainly, bluntly, lays out his deity. He points to the many witnesses of the truth of who he is. And he explains the consequences for rejecting the truth about him. Can I share a spoiler with you? In the book of Acts, it says that many of the Pharisees become followers of Jesus. Isn't it good that we serve a patient and loving God? But in the meantime, throughout the rest of the book of John, and read for yourselves and tell me if I'm wrong, we will see these confrontations between Jesus and the religious leaders. This healing of this man on the Sabbath is the incident that is the spark that lights the fire that grows and consumes the Jewish religious leaders. It, again, it's really easy to read this one-sided one and, and view it one way. Jesus is right, they're wrong, and I'm on the right side. 
right? But I think we need to be careful to not allow ourselves to care more about what others think of us than we do about bringing glory to God. Do you have the Father's message in your heart? Do you honor the Father by honoring the one that he sent to you? Do you refuse to come to Jesus to receive eternal life? In the words of Proverbs 3, 7, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Let's have the worship team come back up. And after we um, sing the song and Again, turn our hearts and our minds back to giving God praise. We want to do ministry time. We want to pray for you. We've got people here that would love to pray with you and for you. Who can we pray for this morning? You guys want to stand up real quick and then we'll pray and we'll worship. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your unashamed truth of who you are and what you're offering and what happens when we choose something else. I'm thankful, Lord, that you make it real plain and real clear. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be open and able to comprehend the message that you have for us today. And Lord, I pray that as we go into ministry time, Lord, that we would be bold and, and willing to speak what it is that you've put on our hearts or ask for prayer for the things that are concerning to us. Amen. Sorry, my thing went down here. There we go. Something like that. him and approached him 
and said, would you like to be well? That is the Son of God who approaches us and sees us and says, would you like to be well? And we love seeing God bless people. So, <laughs> Vineyard Church, this family, would you like to be well? What are the areas that you want to be well in? How can we partner with the Holy Spirit to say to you, get up, pick up your mat, and walk? Does anyone have a word that they feel like is from the Lord for us today? Peace. Peace. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. John 5.24 says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who have sent me. Let me read this again. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they've already passed from death to life. If you've done that, peace. You will never be condemned. I'm not sure how to end this. <laughs> Let me, all right, we'll just keep reading scripture. How's that sound? All right, as, as we prepare to go, and I'll just say it again. If, if you need onions or, or uh, fruit, we got them in the back. If you want prayer, got them up front. Here we go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor to you and give you his peace. Amen.